1: Hello and welcome to the Goodman Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Raw Reaction Show, joining you the morning after Arsenal's 2-2 draw with Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Um, not the result that we wanted, not the result that we expected, but it's the result that we got. And in the end, I think there's quite a lot of thankfulness that we did get that result. Uh, we're going to talk about all of that and more with you guys, of course, in the chat box. Um, But first of all, good morning to those joining us live. Uh, As always, we do these shows at 8am every single morning, be it to react to the latest fixtures like we're doing today or to discuss all the latest Arsenal news uh, that is going on in the world as well. And as we get closer to the January window, of course, we'll be discussing plenty of transfer news. So you will not want to miss any of that. Uh, So make sure you're subscribed uh, and turn that notification bell on so that you are, hopefully, if YouTube does its job properly, notified to when we, of course, do these shows. Um, Good morning to those in the chat box, NSW, Paul, uh, Sakayo Bakker, Bakari, Lasagna, Olawale, Bakari, Lasagna, uh, Shari, uh, we've got Paul, we've got Stuart, uh, we've got uh, Mark, who else have we got here, Uh, Matt G., uh marcus Mick uh and uh paul as well thank you everybody that's tuned in is very much appreciated and uh let's let's without further ado i think jump straight into kind of the the first part of the show which is going to be me having a chat about all things uh arsenal yesterday um in a game where everything that could go wrong did go wrong We still didn't lose. Now, I'm going to warn you, if you're not in the mood for somebody trying to put a positive spin on yesterday, you might want to tune out now because I certainly felt and came away from that game in a pretty good mood, uh, which isn't typically that regular for a draw. Uh, I'm usually pretty down. I usually look at draws as almost as defeats, really, especially for a side that are going for a title. And I, I said, yesterday morning um, that I would be disappointed with anything other than a win and to an extent that is still true I'm disappointed that we didn't win the game but I think that yesterday morning I absolutely um, underestimated you know how not winning a game can still feel uh, and depending on the manner in which it is achieved and I certainly uh, was naive enough to not expect what we saw uh, in yesterday's game so we're going to talk about it all um, and uh, we're going to be discussing plenty of it as well. Uh, Harry Simmonds in the chat box good to see you my friend. Uh, Morning mate up before Canton for once it's a point that feels like three given the circumstances. Uh, Make sure that if you haven't already caught up on Harry's uh, paper roundup on TalkSport uh, which you can of course do uh, at your own leisure. So I for one personally um feel as though that there is of course uh, an elephant in the room which is that once again i'm not at a game and we didn't win so i can only apologize and i can only apologize for the impending severe defeat because i won't be in spain on tuesday either but i have got some good news is that i am going to be there for the shepherd united game uh, fingers crossed at least next week so uh, yeah the uh, the omen the bad omen continues i'm afraid um just to, to say the least but yeah, I went into the game with an expectation that we would be relatively comfortable. The, the lineup, even after it was announced that Jorginho was starting over Partey, that we'd still be relatively confident. But we never managed to get into any kind of rhythm at all. We weren't able to exercise our quality or dominance uh, that we'd shown in plenty of other games this season. And I came away from that first half one nil down thinking, what on earth are these guys doing? That we need to wake up. We need to be so much more alert, so much more mature about what we're doing. And in the second half, and as the game played out, and even after we got the two goals, my immediate reaction was, well, I'll take that. I'll take that, you know, considering the fact we were 2-0 down. I'll take that. But uh, after kind of... uh, reflecting more uh, yesterday evening as I was writing some of my articles on London, which you can of course check out I did a winners and losers piece which is out this morning and I did a piece looking at the main positives from the game and what we can take from it I actually came away from the game feeling a bit short changed actually and I think that Chelsea while certainly were more energetic more dynamic more forward thinking actually got quite lucky themselves um Call me crazy, but that's how I feel. Because if we just take a look at their first goal, it's not a penalty. Or rather, by the letter of the law, it is, but it shouldn't be a penalty. The handball rule is a joke. We can all say that with relative confidence at this point. It's a, dis- it's a disgrace to the game, is the officiating and the rule book that goes alongside it that makes these officials arguably even worse than they are. Because they have to implement the rules based upon what is determined by the Premier League or the PGMOL or whoever is ultimately deciding these crazy laws that's not a that's not handball that is how that you dive for a header that is how you move when going for the ball and when the ball glances off Mudrick's head and changes direction for an infinitesimally small amount of time between it leaving the Ukrainian forward's head and hitting saliba's arm, there's no way. He can react from a natural motion moving towards the ball it's a simple i don't if this was a, if this was for us, if it was for us, I'd be saying the exact same thing I'd obviously be delighted with the penalty in the sense that I'm you know got my arsenal hat on as Chelsea fans I'm sure were delighted that they got this penalty, but in no way should any team be happy. That the rules currently allow for this to be a penalty. Now, I looked at the the Keane handball in the Liverpool game, and I stood there after that thinking, "Okay, I think that's more of a penalty because, like, Michael Keane's arm is outstretched and he leaves it outstretched as he's running. It's a str- and, and I'm you know I'm trying to think about how and where my arm would be in that motion. But whilst I've got kind of a little bit of a grey area around the Michael Keane incident. I just feel like if you're, you know, going for that headed motion, like you're pushing your head out, which moves your arms back, and your arms fly outwards, and you're in a natural position. And there is nobody that can tell me that Saliba is not in a natural position, and that that body shape is not the body shape of any player that would be doing what Saliba is doing, and then cannot tell me that that header. And the proximity to where the ball moves off of the player's head onto Saliba's arm means that he can do anything about it striking his hand. It shouldn't be a penalty. And if you think that it is, I just think you're wrong. (laughs) And I don't think there's any explanation that backs up because the evidence to support why it's not a penalty so far outweighs. But the problem is, is that it's a penalty according to the rules. And that's what sucks. So for those that say it's a penalty because the rules state it is a penalty, you're right. And I haven't got any qualms with you. If you think that it's a penalty because these types of incidents should be given as a penalty, I've got an issue with you because it shouldn't be. Not in a billion years is that ever, ever, ever justified for a penalty call to, to change a, dra- a game dramatically. It's ridiculous. So that's the first goal. Chelsea get a lucky penalty. Um, and and go 1-0 up. Uh, Cole Palmer putting away very, very comfortably. The second goal at the start of the second half is the flukiest goal you will ever see. And of course, the irony is that it's Mahalo Mudrik, of course, that that scores it. It's incredibly fluky. It's a cross. And Raya has, has question marks over him because of his starting position. Now, of course, I don't think he expects the ball to fly in the trajectory that it does, but he shouldn't be as far forwards. If he is, even if he is a cross that's coming in, he shouldn't be that far forwards. He should be at least four or five, maybe even six paces backwards. I'm not a goalkeeper, but certainly listening to plenty of the people analyse this. Um, uh, the people that analyse this, Raya has been, you know, kind of u- universally criticised for his positioning, and so I feel pretty confident to agree with that as well. Um, that he was too far forwards in this moment, but it is. Let's just take away the, the rate of positioning. It's incredibly fluky. It's such a fluke goal. And, and that gives Chelsea a 2-0 lead in this. And all of a sudden, any hope Arsenal had of kind of getting a quick momentum into the second half, it kind of evaporates almost immediately, which affects the next 10 to 15 minutes of the game at least. And, and this is what I'm saying about how Chelsea have been credited so much for this performance, that it was the best performance of their season. And it probably was the best performance of their season. But the only reason they got anything out of it is because of two hugely fortunate moments, massively fortunate moments. And Arsenal, as I said at the start of the show, anything that could have gone wrong in this game went wrong for Arsenal, really, besides the last 15 minutes of the game. And so, again, to come away with a result after having so much bad luck go their way in the first half and the start of the second half, you know, again, is a testament to the spirit and the belief and the comeback that we eventually showed. But let's just stick with Aaron Ramsdale for a second because... Obviously, um, Aaron Ramsdale wasn't available for the game because uh, he uh, and his wife Georgina have uh, recently given birth well Georgina specifically is the one that did the giving birth, but um, to a baby boy and congratulations to to both of them and their whole family and um, I wish them the absolute all the happiness in the world. Um, with an experience that I have yet to, to experience myself. So I can't comment on it like that. But certainly a massive congratulations to them. So there's no, there's no point saying, like, should Raya have started this game? Because Raya had to start this game. There was no question mark about that because Ramsdale wasn't there. The question mark now is whether or not Ramsdale deserves a chance to come back in if he's available for Sevilla, if he's available for Sheffield United. Because I tell you what, if this was Ramsdale in this game, doing what Raya did in this game, the amount of clamouring for Raya to come in for Ramsdale would have been so incredibly uh, virulent and um, and just present, you know. And I, whenever I discuss Ramsdale, I'm told I'm biased. I'm told I've got an English bias to this, which is frankly ludicrous and borderline disrespectful to any you know criticisms that I've got and, and any analysis that goes on around the goalkeepers. I'm told that Raya is far and away a better goalkeeper than Rams, though, is what I'm told in the chat box and in the comment sections. And yet I am yet to see the evidence to suggest that that is the case. I'm yet to see suggestions or evidence or explanations that back up that point. Because nothing I've seen so far this season beyond the first couple of games in Nets. Let's face it, Raya wasn't really tested. He wasn't really tested against Everton. He wasn't really tested against PSV, to be honest. But then against Spurs, he was tested and made a mistake and we concede. Against Chelsea, he was tested with a fluky shot, sure. But he's fallible because of his positioning. Against Man City, yes, he played the way that Arteta wanted him to but ultimately nearly cost us with that Julian Alvarez moment. And in this Chelsea game again, he passes straight out to Cole Palmer. In that moment, nearly makes a mistake. If he's doing the right things that Arteta wants him to do and he's making mistakes, then that's more on Arteta. And you have to point the finger at Arteta and say, if you want him to play like this and these things are happening, you've bought the wrong goalkeeper because he can't execute it because he's made two Big, big errors against City and Chelsea from that distribution. And not only that, but one of the big things that Ramsdale was criticized for is that he went long too often. How many times in this game did Raya put the ball out of play for going long? It's it's not it's not good enough, you know. And we have to be as we have to be as measured and as level and as equal in our criticisms as Ramsdale as we are of Raya. Um, and for me, that is so, so frustrating that that we might not see a change because that's my instinct. My instinct is now that Raya will continue and I'm going to find myself in a position having to criticize Arteta, which, you know, I don't particularly like doing because I think he's done so many good things, but there are fallacies, uh, fall- not fallacies. Um, he is fallible in certain instances. And if he keeps Raya in net after making his errors and after making these big speeches about, you know, accountability and having to change the goalkeepers of certain games and that the-, the goalkeepers have got to do the right thing. It's, it's, it, it just builds up this doubt. It builds up this frustration. It builds up accusations that he's misleading us with some of the words that he's using. And I don't think that's unfair to say. So David Raya, I hope he improves, but I hope Ramsdale gets the opportunity because Raya has opened the door and Arteta should allow Ramsdale to walk back through that door and prove himself in the games in which he comes back in for. And I hope that he does. And if he makes mistakes, we'll call Ramsdale out for that as well. But for the moment, I'd like to see Raya uh, moved out of net and Ramsdale brought back in. i tell you what, bottom line at the moment is I'm not activating that release clause that we've got and that option to buy. I'm not spending 30-odd million quid or whatever it is to bring him in because so far he's not shown me that he's worth an investment of that amount to replace Aaron Ramsdale. Anyway, let's go on to the more positive things from the game because I've talked 40 minutes and I feel like I've not talked about enough positives yet. Um, Declan Rice absolutely fantastic gloriously good before just take the goal out of it for a second take the, the what is a stunningly great piece of intuition initiative and execution out of that and just focus on the performance focus on the determination focus on the composure focus on the progression. Focus on the levelling up of the midfield. Chelsea had Moises Caicedo, who had a, I think, not as good a game as what some Chelsea fans will have you believe. I think that he made some questionable decisions during that game and lacked the composure that Rice showed. Enzo Fernandez, who was brilliant, and I'm incredibly jealous that Chelsea have that player because he is fantastic, is Enzo Fernandes. And Conor Gallagher, who had a really good game as well. And again, I think he's an underrated player. And a, you know, when we talk about how much West Ham were willing to pay for him, I think it was upwards of £40 million. Pounds. People laughed at that. I'm not so sure. I think Conor Gallagher is a very good player. Um, he basically took those three on by himself because Jorginho wasn't present, really. Um, Jorginho was not, and I like Jorginho. And this isn't going to turn into a Jorginho bashing session because he's had good games and he did to do that game against uh, Man City. I thought Jorginho was really good against Man City, but he wasn't in this game. And that meant that Rice, without a doubt, took those three midfielders on effectively with, with Jorginho alongside him being uh, very much uh, targeted. And so he won for me. To take on those three and, and, and to win and to be as influential as he was and to win back passes and win back possession and just so good, so incredibly good. And I cannot fathom what would have happened if Arsenal had allowed Man City to sign him instead. Scary, scary things would have happened, I'm sure. Um, it was frustrating that Partey wasn't on in the game. I don't have any information as to why he wasn't. He played for Ghana in the international break and spoke to our good friend of the show, Mike McDonough, and told him that he was fit. I don't know if that was inaccurate or not, but, you know, I trust Mike. Um, And so to not see him come on was odd. I know why Smith-Rowe came on, because we were 2-0 down, and in that situation, you want to be more offensive, more attacking, and give more initiative going forwards. And Vieira wasn't in the team either, and he wasn't injured, by the way. Fabio Vieira was not injured. He was just not picked for this squad. Interesting. Very, very interesting Indeed. Um, And I think that if Partey was there, it would have been very different and the midfield battle would have been very different. Um, And hopefully Partey and Rice can start the game in midweek against Sevilla and hopefully we can control the game far, far better with both of them on the field. But again, Declan Rice is an unbelievable footballer. And for anyone that tells me he's not world-class, I kindly ask you to somehow argue that case. He's the best centre midfielder in his position, in my view, and is just unbelievably consistent in his performances. The goal, I loved his interview with arsenal.com after the game in which he said he watched the Beckham documentary last night, um uh oh, the night before last sorry and uh it kind of inspired that goal. I'm so glad he watched that documentary because maybe he doesn't take that uh, that shot on. Um so yeah, unbelievable. Um unbelievable view. Um and certainly Rice, for me, continues to be a world-class midfielder and probably the best player for the Gunners this season alongside William Saliba. Um, Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, And then the equaliser. Massive props, first of all, to uh, Kai Havertz and Bukaya Saka. I thought we'll talk a bit more about Havertz in a second, but Saka in particular had you know, really had to persist with Kukurea who had a decent game as well. Yes, he was kicking him. Yes, he was holding him, but I thought Kukurea played really well and kept Saka quiet. But the thing about uh, Saka is that you have to keep him quiet all game. And if you give him an inch of space, he will punish you. And that cross from Saka is very, very good. Very, very good indeed. And Trossard is in the right place at the right time. His run is perfect. His execution of the shot is perfect. And celebration was equally as perfect as well. Um, Trossard was gloriously good um, in that moment. And, you know, I think that we talked, I think in even the morning show yesterday, and we were asked the question, what's happened to Trossard? He's not been able to continue that momentum from the summer. He hadn't been able to continue that preseason momentum that he got. Um, And he thankfully did in this game show why he is important. And he keeps popping up in big moments. He keeps popping up in situations whereby, um, you know, he's able to have an influence on the game and have an influence on things uh, in, smaller, in smaller moments. And there was an irony about Modric and, and Trossard scoring. But you can kind of... And I love this comment from Faluso, which is I can see why Smith-Rowe doesn't start. And it's because of Trossard's impact in games. It's because of his ability to score goals, his ability to be composed on the ball and, and make a real difference. And I like him from the bench more than I like him from the start. Uh, I really do, hopefully. Hopefully, uh, put ourselves in a position where Leandro Trossard is a player that can continue to have more of an impact on games. Because, my goodness me, is he capable of doing it? And he certainly, certainly showed it. Now, we need to talk about Martin Odegaard, um, which I don't like to do because Martin Erdegaard is uh, you, as well. You all know one of my, if my, if not my favorite player in this Arsenal squad for what he does with the football, for what he does off the field, for what he is as a person. I love the guy. I think he's great. Um, But he went missing yesterday. Uh, Again, and it's another game against a big team where Odegaard went missing. And there's clear reasons as to why. There's clear reasons as to why he's gone missing in this game. And it's because in matches in which Arsenal don't have the majority of the ball... um, he just cannot have that same level of influence on things. If we don't have the ball as much off the ball, he might press, he might run, he might do those really good things. But he is an what I like to call a catalyst of a player. He's an emphasizer of a player. And when Arsenal are playing well, it's usually because Odegaard's playing well. And in turn, there's kind of this feedback loop, which is all about If Arsenal are on the ball, he can play his best games. He can influence the play. And, you know, we've seen him have some fantastic games against big teams. We know that. But there are plenty of examples this season. Spurs, City the other week, and now today, or rather yesterday against Chelsea, where he ultimately didn't have that game. Gunnar Mix says he's a fair-weather player. That's not true. Not true whatsoever. And the point of the matter of fact is that in games whereby Arsenal are playing well and have their more fluidity. And in some games where they're not as well, Odegaard can take the game by the scruff of the neck. And we've seen him do that on occasion. But it tends to be in the games where the midfield is broken up, where we're losing that middle third battle. And, you know, Jorginho in particular has, I think, a big part to play in the fact that Odegaard didn't necessarily have his best game as well. Because if you've got kind of a, a midfield dominance. If you've got Rice and Partey, or in some cases Havertz, Odegaard is able to do more. You know, the game against Bournemouth, for instance, is a great example of where, you know, we're playing with more possession and we're playing with more dominance and he's able to have more of an influence on the game. And we've seen it happen in, in loads of opportunities. Um, I d- calling him a fair-weather player isn't fair because that's not true. And in certainly times of, of real difficulty, he has still shone. Um... But I just think that uh, Redenhapp says Clive would tell you that he always plays bad after the interlow. Maybe that's true. You know, he had, he had a real big blow during the interlo, which was Norway's defeat to Spain. And I don't know whether or not that made an impact. It shouldn't make an impact. You know, we should be professional enough for that not to happen, but it's worth mentioning. Um, I hope that hey, that changes. You know, I, I hope that it improves. I hope that he can prove to to plenty of supporters that during these bigger games, he can have more of an influence on things because there are too many examples growing of when he doesn't and, and that needs to change. Um, so, yeah, but there are certainly loads of other factors involved. and I think the midfield structure is certainly part of that. I think the overall performance of the team is another one as well. And I think that Chelsea's midfield do really, really well to break up play like Caicedo and Enzo are, are, are top, top, top players um, and ultimately, you know, um, he wasn't able to get into the game as much as he would have done, and that's a credit to Chelsea as well. As it is to our own shortcomings. Um, now, the selection sure has questions, and the questions are really from why wasn't um, Partey involved? That that's the question that I have for Mikel Arteta. You know, and we don't really know the answer, and there may be a good answer for that. Other than that, I think the selection was fine. You know, if parte would come in for Jorginho and it's our best 11, basically. Um, but what I would say is that, once again, the biggest criticism I always have of Arteta is that his in-game management is, at times, in question. Um, and once again, the changes that he made to the game change things for the better. Now, there's a question that I have for the timing of the substitutions, of course, but I have also a question mark about Tommy Acid, which I'll come on to in a second. But I would have liked to have seen Havertz on sooner because Havertz, when he came on, gave us a target. Um, I still had people in my mentions criticising Kai Havertz, which I find. So it, it, I think it revealed a lot about individuals yesterday who criticised Havertz because there was a moment in his own half where he nearly gave the ball away. And uh, it didn't happen. He nearly gave the ball away, but it didn't happen. And we kept possession. But everything else that he did was good. Everything else Havertz did in the game was, was great. He won headers. He won the ball. He was up there in the final third creating problems. He was obviously involved in the build-up towards the chances that we were creating. And yet there's some obsession that people have in focusing on one moment where he nearly gave the ball away. One moment of about six other interventions in the game that were all positive and yet it's that one moment where he nearly gave the ball away that people focus on and that I think exposes the real problem amongst some supporters that they just can't get over can't get over the negative side of his game which is still gradually integrating into the squad he was great when he came on he became a real focus for the team when he came on I would have liked to have seen him come on sooner Um, and I hope that he gets more opportunities in the weeks to come because uh, he was a reason part of the reason why we ended up getting an equaliser he was good when he came on and there aren't any really other arguments to that, but the issue that I've got here is that tommy asu um and I need to give credit to uh let me find it on social media i think it's I think it was willid uh who tweeted it um about the games in which uh tommy Asu has come off the bench, and ultimately what has changed? I can't find the tweet um maybe it's on my phone, but um the times that Tommy Asu has come off the bench and come onto the field for Zinchenko has left us in a position where we are <laughs> getting results. And we might look at that and say, well, that's just brilliant from uh, Arteta and his substitutions. He's making these changes and we're then getting results. Well, here you go. So uh, at one, we'll leave one on Twitter. It's also time Arteta started reading patterns in these high stakes games. Against United, Zinchenko off, Tommy Asu on at 1-1. We go on to win. Versus City, Zinchenko off, Tommy Asu on and 0-0. We go on to win. Versus Chelsea, Zinchenko off uh, for Tommy Asllu at one 0 We get a draw from the game. I'm all for controlling games, and you can absolutely do that against lesser teams. But better sides look to exploit and often succeed when they target our left. We need to show opposition more respect in certain games, and he's spot on. And against some oppositions, Zinchenko is really good for that. He offers you the extra midfielder. He offers you good um, progression of the ball, and kind of we can in some ways. Uh, suffocate the opposition into their own defensive third but tommy asu has come on in these bigger games in these more important fixtures and the ultimate dynamic of the team has shifted so that arsenal have had a better grip on things and been able to go on and get the results that they've needed because of his presence and that i think is one of the big reasons why yuri and timber was signed in the summer And one of the biggest detriments this season will continue for me to be the fact that we don't have Jurian Timber. Because whilst Tommy Asu has come on and done some really good things, Jurian Timber for me is potentially a world-class player in the making who was starting at left-back and playing plenty of games in the summer at left-back and even started the season at left-back despite the fact that we had... Like The likes of Gabriel Fear and Ben White was then shifted and Partey played at right back, even though we could have gone with Tommy at left back and we could have brought Timber in at right back. We didn't. Jurian Timber's um, lack of presence this season is such a blow to the plan that they clearly had in their minds as the season begun. And I can't wait for it to have him back, but it's not going to be until March time onwards. So we've got a long, long time to wait and a lot of football to play before that happens. I think in these bigger games, there's an argument that Tommy Asu should probably start them. So when we go to Newcastle, I'd like to see Tommy Asu start that game. When we go to Anfield, I'd like to see Tommy Asu start that game. Against Sheffield United, I'd like to see Zinchenko start. Against Sevilla in midweek, I'd arguably like to see Tommy Asu start that game. And I think he's put himself into a position where he arguably should be starting against Sevilla on Tuesday night. I really do genuinely, genuinely think that Zinchenko works for some games and that Tommy Asu will work for others, but that Yuri and Timber will work for all of them. And that's why we signed him. Um, so yeah, that's, I think it's ultimately positive. The changes that were made, there's still some you know, tweaks to be made. But for me, um, I think that was very revealing and a credit to Waleed with that tweak because I think it unveiled quite a lot uh, about what needs to change in this team. Right then. Let's go to part two, shall we, and tackle your questions and your thoughts on yesterday's game right after this. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem
0: impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. Uh, before I do before I do jump into the chat box and tackle the questions, uh, I did mean to jump over and have a, look, a quick look at the Premier League table after what yesterday's result uh, means. So, Manchester City are now back top on goal difference. Arsenal are two goals behind them. Um, we, I remember being asked the question, if we don't win against Chelsea, does it take away from the result against City? No, I don't think that it does. It was a really important victory. I got very frustrated on social media when I saw the fallout during the game. It's why I often try and tend to wait until after a game finishes before I talk tweet because you can end up looking pretty darn silly if you tweet during games sometimes as certainly Arsenal managed to prove plenty of those people uh, looked rather silly uh, that are tweeted during the game um, because the, the conception that we've not improved and yes I am referencing a tweet by Sasha LT Arsenal on Twitter where I replied to which I thought was a terrible tweet because not only was the tweet disingenuous in the use of the amount of money that was represented by how much we've spent because obviously one of the key players that we invested in with that 240 odd million that we've invested isn't even available for us this season but we just beat the treble winners by evolving as a squad and by being more mature and more measured and better in our approach that game and eventually took the chance that fell to us to beat the treble winning champions to suggest that we're not improving or we're not moving forwards and we haven't shown more than we have in cases last season is just for me not true yes we're not playing the same free flowing fast football that we did at the start of last season but if we were doing what we did last season across the whole season we know that it's not enough to win a title and so arsenal need to change arsenal need to evolve and to do that you have to try and tweak things you have to trial things and when you lose one of the key parts of that machine that you had intended to use right in the first game of the season. Yes, I am talking again about Uri and Timba. That is going to have an effect. Not only that, but yesterday was the first time that we've been able to use our front three. People have been saying we don't look as clear and fluid as an attack as we did last season. Do you know why? It's because for our ninth game of the season, it's the first time we've used Jesus, Saka and Martinelli. And not only that, but it was a game in which we had one training session after the international break as well, meaning that to expect perfect fluidity and perfect kind of um, the meshing of everybody's views on things, I just find a bit odd. I, be, I find a little bit, not odd, I think that maybe that's harsh. I find it a bit too expectant and a little bit too harsh. First time in the season we're now able to use that front three and there's question marks about why we haven't been as good as, in attack as we were last season. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe the reason that we've not been able to use those front three at all, all campaign, is a reason why we maybe have not looked as good and uh, i didn't think jesus had a good game yesterday by the way i thought he was excellent at chelsea last season um but we haven't been able to use that attack at all and not only that but we've not even been able to use the best midfield this premier league season with Partey, rice um and odegaard as well obviously until the end of that city game which then proved the differential uh because tommy asu getting on the end of that Partey pass before martinelli scoring that deflected shot but yeah the premier league table obviously looks like this for the moment liverpool getting a What I find mad, I find that result against Everton pretty crazy because despite them going down to 10 men, Everton, so should Liverpool. Canate definitely should have been sent off for a second. Uh, Bookable offence wasn't. Inconsistency of officiating, again, ever-present, every single week in the Premier League. It's a joke. It's a disgrace. It needs to change and just blow it up and start again I say Um, Newcastle again another really impressive result we play them in a couple of weeks time that's a scary proposition at St James's Park it's going to be very loud I'm going to be there I can't wait it was great last season we pulled off a fantastic result that no one expected I'm hoping that we can do the same again Manchester United scraping through against Sheffield United getting themselves into the top half of the table And, uh, yeah, I mean, Man City themselves, arguably a little bit fortunate to scrape past Brighton, going down to 10 men late on with a kanji getting sent off, obviously, because I brought him into my fantasy team. (laughs) That happened. But, yeah, that's the Premier League table as it stands right now. Um, So, yeah, let's go into the chat box and go into your questions. Jale says, completely agree with your narrative, Tom. This was a huge positive. It was. I think you should be positive about yesterday. I think there is plenty of reasons to be positive about yesterday. If Chelsea had won this game, it would have been off the back of a penalty that wasn't a penalty, or rather shouldn't be a penalty in today's game, and a fluky cross that went in. That's the only reason they scored. Beyond that, they didn't create loads. I know that we basically gifted them a chance with Palmer's shot going wide when um, uh, when Raya passed out. The only other two chances I really remember... Is Palmer's shot that went just past the post when he reversed it with his left foot, and Nicholas Jackson at the end that Rea had to get down low, and as a pretty poor shot from Jackson anyway. Beyond that, there wasn't that much, and people have raved about Chelsea's performance, but really, I, I don't, I don't think so. I really, really don't think so. Um, but I, I could be wrong. But I think there's plenty of uh, plenty of plenty and plenty of positives to take from yesterday's game because ultimately. Um, Arsenal, whilst we didn't play our best game and, you know, didn't create anything. I think our XG was something like 0.11. We didn't create anything really in the game. It would have been really disappointing if Chelsea would have won because they didn't ultimately deserve it with what they created. It would have been two very, very fluky opportunities that got them those two goals. And so for me, uh, I think there's plenty of reason to be positive about what Arsenal did. In the end... um, let's go to uh magambo says i like that this season's top teams are so close if anyone other than man city has to win the league need more than three teams close to them till the last week i don't think that's going to happen towards the end but uh, yeah let's wait and see uh guna mixes are you worried about saka's form i get he's got a few goals and assists but i feel he isn't impacting games too much i mean he's just come back off an injury to be fair um I'm not necessarily concerned at all because he was, he picked things up. There were loads of questions at the start of the season about his form, but then he started playing really, really well. So no, I'm not worried about Saka at the moment. Um, ben says, do you think that Cole Palmer was lucky to not be sent off? Now this obviously refers to a challenge on Jesus in the first half in commentary. Uh, it was discussed that we've seen red cards given for these types of incidents. Um, I don't think it's a clear and obvious red card. Um, I would say that. I don't think it's a clear and obvious red. I think if he gets a red, I don't think VAR is overturning it. If he doesn't get a red, which he doesn't, I don't think VAR is giving it. And I think that's probably where we're at with that one. Um, it's on the. It's like the orange card. It's definitely a yellow. It could. It could be a red. Um, I think because it's behind Jesus and because it's at down the back of his ankle rather than kind of to the side or into his leg with his studs, that doesn't make it. And it's it's in slow motion. I think it also looks worse than it is. Um, I'd say it's definitely a yellow. But if it was a red, I don't think there could be too many complaints about it. It's one of those. But it wasn't given. And we move on. Um Fala says, Tom, how can you objectively say that you are happy that we gained a point? On on the other hand, say Chelsea offered nothing. Didn't say Chelsea offered nothing. uh, So let's not misquote me. Um, I said Chelsea weren't as good as people made them out to be and scored two fluky goals. Uh, The reason why I can objectively say that we're happy that we gained a point is because, as I said at the start of the show, everything that could have gone wrong for us did go wrong for us. We, for some reason, didn't have parte. We concede a penalty that shouldn't be a penalty. They score a fluky goal. Um, we're not playing particularly great. Uh, and we had one training session before, obviously, this game, coming off the back of an international break. And despite the fact that we looked like we were going towards a 2-0 defeat, we came away with a spirited 2-2 draw and a point. So objectively, it's very easy to say I'm happy with a point because of how the game played out and everything that went against us. So to come away at the point, I can objectively, that's the word that we're using, want to say that I can indeed be very happy indeed with what happened. Um, Louis says, Tom, thoughts on Palmer's... Oh, we've already kind of done that. Um, Yeah, so I think it was absolutely, without a doubt, uh, a yellow. But if it was a red, I don't think there could be too many complaints. Uh, Junior says, Tom, you're forgetting the penalty that we should have been awarded for the assault on Sanchez, on Jesus. Why was there no VAR review? Great question. If if in the Manchester United-Wolves game, and I think I'm right in saying this, and you'll tell me if I'm wrong, did the PGMOL apologise to Wolves for not giving a penalty? I think they did, did they not? And in that moment, did Anana completely clatter one of the Wolves players in the box that then didn't or wasn't going for the ball. I think it was Dawson that was going for the ball, got it, but it was somebody else that was tackled. I think that's what happened. And I feel like surely, surely there has to be a review on the, the Sanchez-Jesus because Jesus wasn't near the ball, sure, but Sanchez didn't get anything of the ball and completely clears out Jesus. I, I I don't get how the Inanna thing can be looked at as a clear penalty. And yet that can't be looked at as a clear penalty. It's a great point. I completely forgot about that, Junior. So thank you for bringing it up. Uh, I I think it absolutely should be a penalty. He gets no win in the ball. and you Are we just giving license to goalkeepers to just run out and punch? <laughs> and just clear people out. Um, so yeah, I think if you're going to compare the penalty from the Saliba one and the Jesus one, the jesus one is without a doubt a penalty without question a penalty so uh yeah um yeah i'd say yeah i'd say it's a penalty um and i think it should have been given um because of consistency you know if you're apologizing to wolves for not giving them that penalty i think you have to then give the penalty for arsenal surely um uh, let's go to boom, 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 boom. Let's scroll up. I feel like I've missed a lot of comments. I think we had a super chat as well. Um, Louis, thank you so much for the condemnation. Palmer also asked the ref for a card. Yeah, there's no consistency with that rule, is there? Uh, he was on a yellow card and he then asked for, uh, somebody else to get a card, um, and wasn't booked. Uh, so yeah, again, a lack of consistency continuously being shown by the referees as Always. Uh, Chin is says, still unhappy with the result. Uh, a lot of our squad and starters, um, we should have won. However, I'm impressed with our resilience in this result um, to get from horrible situations. I think it's absolutely fine if you're unhappy with it. I'm, happy, I'm unhappy that we didn't win. You know, I'm unhappy. I'm disappointed that we didn't win. But I have, without a doubt, I think there's so many reasons to be... Um, positive about the fact that we came back and still managed to get a point from the game. You know, I was so assured that we were heading towards a really unfortunate defeat. But uh, to come away with with a point is ultimately really, really important. Uh, Anne says, Tom, would you agree that the top six in the first nine games, we have had the toughest run? Well, I mean, of the first nine games, which of course is the first quarter of the season completed, we now have only one big six team left to play and that is Liverpool. Um, so it's a good way of thinking about it. You know, in our first half of the first half of the season, we've played four of the five other big six teams. Yes, we've still got to play Brighton. We've still got to play Villa. We've still got to play Newcastle. That's also important to say. But we've not played any of the promoted sides yet whatsoever. Um, not played a single one of them. Um, you know, we've, we without a doubt, are and will have plenty more opportunities to pick up more points. And other teams are going to have much sterner tests than we have had so far in the first quarter of the season. So, yes, and it's a very, very good point indeed. Uh, Alon's one of the highlights says, TGT, do you agree that we didn't control the game due to the physicality and speed in the midfield? Um, I think Jorginho's had a poor game and that had a knock-on effect all over the place. So, I don't know if physicality is the word. I think dynamism is more. We lacked we lacked dynamism in the midfield. And we weren't on it. We weren't, other than Rice, we weren't energetic enough. So... Yeah, I think that Jorginho played a big part in sadly while we weren't able to control things and which is a shame because against Man City, Jorginho was really, really good. So it shows you against a big, big team, uh, you can, without question. Um you know, have that uh, that presence from Jorginho to be a differential and a positive result. Uh, Nick says, hi, Tom. Do you think that we were unlucky with the penalty in Eddie's late attempt? Uh, yeah, Eddie got very close, didn't he? Really great attempt, by the way. You know, I know he didn't score it, it wasn't on target, but to get even a shot away in that moment under pressure was excellent uh, from Eddie and very, very close. If that had popped in, Oh, oh, my goodness me. (laughs) Can you imagine if we'd have come away with a win in this game? It would have been absolute bedlam. Um, But, yeah, definitely unlucky with the penalty on both ends of the field. Uh, Akbar says, Commentator said if that happened anywhere else on the pitch, duelling for the ball, it would be a foul. So why isn't it a penalty, especially when PGMO has just apologised Rihanna are Wolves, absolutely. Um, Amira says Arteta's has preferred Vieira over Smith-Rowe. And Nelson recently, I know we love drama, but sometimes it's really a, just a case of having more players than bench spots, right? I feel like these three will share two spots. And it is interesting that Smith-Rowe was the first guy brought on the field after Tommy Assel at halftime. You know? When we needed a goal, he moved to Smith-Rowe. He picked Smith-Rowe in the squad over Vieira. Vieira wasn't injured. That decision to play Smith-Rowe on the bench over Vieira is a tactical one. It's a decision that was made. It wasn't forced. Um, So, yeah, very, very true indeed. Um, Let's scroll up. Uh, Raheem says, Tom, did you notice that all our London derbies ended with a draw? Also the same scoreline, 2-2. Didn't we beat Palace? We beat Palace 1-0. So... Yeah, that's not accurate, uh, Raheem. Uh, we've also beaten Brentford as well in the Cowboy Cup. 1-0. Um, yes, we drew against Spurs. Yes, we've drawn against Chelsea. Um, what other London teams have we not yet played? Uh, I'm trying to think. who's still the... Luton, the Luton count. I guess Luton would count. West Ham, of course, as well. We've not yet played them. Uh, but we eat Palace. So, um it's not all ended 2-2. I think the Spurs game and the Chelsea game are very different. Ironic, it's kind of a, an opposite, if you like, the Chelsea and the, the Spurs games, because Spurs were gifted their two goals against us. And uh, ultimately, not gifted, we weren't gifted the goal. We were gifted Rice's in a way, but he's still got a lot to do in that situation. But uh, certainly the way the game's played out, it's kind of a reverse of the two big uh, London derbies. Uh, Luton doesn't count, says Sabres. So there you go. Fulham, we haven't played... Oh, Sorry, we have played Fulham. Yeah, of course, we drew 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> so there you go. All the draws were 2-2. Two, two. I think that the Fulham game is just... I hated the Fulham game because, you know, we were so on our way to winning that and Fulham didn't deserve anything and we deserved to win that game without a doubt and yet we came away with that 2-2 two, two draw. So, yeah, frustrating. Frustrating. Um, Leopold says, do you think... Do you agree that Rice is better as the sixth than the eighth? Also, I think that Mikel needs to get a starting player for that position. It's constantly changing. I think he can play both positions exceptionally well. Um, I think it's better to have Rice at six when you're playing against a side maybe like Chelsea and then you can have a Havertz or a Smith-Rowe there. I think that would have been maybe better for this game. It's easy to say that with hindsight, but he went with Jorginho because Jorginho played really well against City. Yeah. Um, if Partey starts, Partey plays six, Rice plays eight, and I think that's fine. I don't even think it's necessarily an out and out eight role. I think it's kind of like a pivot two DMs, uh, with one being Rice getting a little bit further forward, probably. So I can't wait till Partey and Rice get on the field together at the same time. So yeah, let's let's wait and see. What happens? Uh following says, Tom, someone said that they see why Smith rowe doesn't start, and you agreed. Any particular reason? I didn't watch much after he came on. Um, yeah, I think that you look at the starting 11 of this team and Smith Rowe doesn't immediately fit into it rather obviously. Whereas if you look at all the starting players, Martinelli is obviously the starting left winger. Odegaard is obviously the starting 10. Rice would be obviously the other starting midfielder with Partey. So he doesn't start um, in any of those positions because all the players that are in in those roles are ahead of him and quite comfortably so. So, that's that's why. Yeah, he had a good performance, I think, when he came on. He was energetic. He was really determined. He was kind of industrial in this play and actually won the ball back in really tough situations quite well. So, yeah. Um, Morgie says, um, Tom, I mentioned Sir Bobby uh, Charlton earlier, and I know this is an Arsenal show, but because of his stature in the game as a true gent and a great footballer, his passing needs to be honoured, without a doubt. Um, and uh, it was honoured yesterday, during the uh, the game at half time, it was obviously honored during the game at Manchester United, and Morgie, without a doubt, despite him being a Manchester United legend, um, he is, and you know from an English perspective as well, you know an icon of the game and deserves all the plaudits and praise that uh, is going to be coming out for his contributions to the game. Um, so yes, very well said, Morgie and an apt contribution to today's show. Uh, Rohan says, our first shot on target was the Rice goal. How is that acceptable for a team apparently going for the title? Do you know what? And I think this is a great catalyst to the point um, which I'm going to make and which I haven't made so far. Sometimes you just don't have a good game. Sometimes you have bad days. And it happens. And that is acceptable because even Manchester City during their league wins have had off days and it just has to be accepted. You can't have too many of them granted, you know, you're not. And the majority, in fact, nearly all of the games that we've played this season, we have deserved to win. And if you go through our league games so far this season, we have, without a doubt deserved to win the near majority of them. And if we go through them, you know, um, Forest deserved to win. Palace up until we got that red card. Deserve to win. Fulham deserve to win. Manchester United deserve to win. Everton deserve to win. Spurs, I don't think we deserve to win that one. Brentford, um, that's a Cowboy Cup game. Bournemouth deserve to win. Man City deserve to win. The Chelsea and the Spurs games, Samir, the only two league games this season that we have not deserved to win out of the nine that we've played so far this season. And yet we still managed to come away without losing. And sometimes when you have those off days, when you don't play well, And they are going to happen because it's football, you know, Uh, especially I think in the context of where we're at now with, as I say, one training session off the back of that international break, that is going to be the game where you are going to have most likely a bit of an off day because things aren't clicking and, you know, uh, you've not had loads. Um, You need to be able to win or at the absolute minimum avoid losing. I remember the Leeds game last season where we, I was at, you know, Ellen Road and the whole VAR controversy at the air at the start of the game kind of really did create a bit of chaos and uh, unsettled us, I think. And then we went on to win that game 1-0. Um, Man City against Arsenal didn't play well. You know, and a lot of the teams, a lot of the rivals have turned around and said that, oh, you know, Arsenal, they won because City had an off day. You know, they won because City didn't turn up. They won because City didn't have some of their better players. You know, And and Arsenal have had to just sit and take that and take people just underrating and uh, not giving them the credit that they deserved for that win against Man City. But you know what the irony is? Is that when Arsenal have a game like maybe City had against us, we didn't lose. We didn't lose our game, even though we went 2-0 down. We came back, we fought, we battled, and we came back and got a point from that game. So when City have an off day, Arsenal are (laughs) criticised. When Arsenal have an off day... Arsenal are criticised. And people need... And that objectivity, that word... um, I think it was Faller in the chat box earlier on used that word. I'm going to steal it from him. Um, Let's use that word. If we're going to be objective about things, surely we've got to look at that game that we played against Man City. And we took advantage of the fact that Man City had a bad day and we won that game. But when we have an off day and when we have a bad game, we didn't lose. And yet there are people so ready, so eager to jump on Arsenal and to bat Arsenal away and to criticise them. But no, I came away from yesterday's game emboldened. I came from yesterday's game a little bit buzzing, actually. I'll be, I'll be very honest. And I felt buzzing because I thought we were, we were heading towards defeat. I think you can be irritated, you can be disappointed, you can be frustrated that we didn't win, that we didn't put in a good performance. And that's absolutely apt and you can and you're justified in that view because it's frustrating and it is disappointing when we don't play well. But you should also be very pleased of the reaction you should be very pleased about the fact that we didn't lose and you should be very pleased that despite everything not going our way that we continued our unbeaten run because that's really really important very very important um lons on highlights says tgt do people not realize that this is the epl of course we'll get surprised and even lose sometimes yeah i think you know some people expect us to win every single game and you know, i go into every game hoping that we win um, and when you're in a title race you know you can't afford to drop too many points we know that um, but you are going to have off days, as I say. And so to avoid losing is really, really important. Um, Bally says, uh, Zinchenko needs to cut out the mistakes. I've noticed that he always makes at least one or two silly passes per game, giving opportun- opportunities to the opposition. Also, we need to start questioning Odegaard's performances. I think we've done both of those things today. I think we've questioned Odegaard's performance, and I think we have highlighted Zinchenko's shortcomings in yesterday's game as well. Um, Rich Carnu says, uh, Tom Allen Hansen used to say that a mark of champions is winning while not playing well, uh, are Arsenal showing that or are we just getting lucky? Um, well, I think, if anything, yesterday was a, an argument of really being unlucky because of the penalty and because of Mudrick's fluky goal. So, uh, no, I don't think it's luck uh, that's played into those results. I don't think it's luck um, that we managed to put in an excellent performance against Man City. Yes, there's a, a, certainly a, a luck about the goal that we scored, but we still deserve to win that game against City without a doubt. And we deserve to win the majority of games that we played this season. Um so, yeah, <laughs> that answers your question. Uh, Vera says, do you think that we're lacking creativity when Partey is not in the team? Um, it depends on the game. Um, I think it depends on the game. You know, uh, without Partey, we scored four goals against Bournemouth. Um, without Partey, we scored uh, twice against Spurs. Without Partey, we won Everton and dominated that game, created plenty of chances. Without Partey, we beat Manchester United. Um, so I don't think so necessarily. I think it helps... I think he provides a really good foundation, um, but maybe we lack a bit more creativity. I think we'll gain some more creativity with uh, with Partey and the team, but I don't think that it's kind of like a really detrimental thing to our creativity because we are still doing plenty um, as well with him not in the side. But we need him back. <laughs> that is without question. We need Partey back into this team. Uh, Rohan says the problem is this season it's not just City and Arsenal Spurs granted, might fall off but Liverpool will be there and they have more experience in a title race yeah and you know we might not win the title this season I really hope that we do and I think that we have a squad that we have built that we aimed and planned to build even despite losing a key part of that in Uri and Timber that we might not win the league this season and you know when we come back to assess why we've not won the league this season we'll do that at the end of the campaign but there's nothing that said to me that Arsenal aren't worthy competitors because they are and they deserve to be up there competing for the title this season um and we'll continue to ask questions only one team can win the league you know and Arsenal are, are not favorites they're not expected to win it so we have got to win it against the odds which is what we face right now is that we would be winning the league against the odds if we do it um so let's wait and see Let's see how the rest of the season plays out. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I hope you've appreciated this longer morning show to break down and assess yesterday's game. If you have done, please do drop a like. Please subscribe. If you've got any thoughts on anything that we've discussed, please leave them in the comment section down below. I do try to reply to as many people as possible uh, and give my thoughts. Uh, I did have a comment sent to me yesterday. It was like, Tom, you don't accept other opinions. And I'm I, I struggle with those comments because I feel like I do because I respond to them. I think people get confused sometimes with accepting opposite views and the, the license to disagree with opposite views. I think you're allowed to disagree and uh, you know, I'm absolutely open to opposite views, but I'm also very, very entitled to defend my position and disagree when I think that it is. So I may disagree with you in the comment sections, please don't take it personally. It's just that I have a different view to yours. Um, But thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Really appreciate your time. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow morning um, for, of course, all the latest roundup of the news and a look ahead to the game against Sevilla in the Champions League. Have a fantastic day. Enjoy yourselves. Let's hope for a Spurs defeat on Monday. And, uh, yeah, stay safe. Stay well. Uh, Rest in peace, Sir Bobby Charlton. And as always, up the Arsenal.